This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I am here with the head of Hoops, Mr. Aaron Beach. What's up, Chris? Beach, it's been a while, man. And the last time we did one of these things, I think we were actually at the Kraken Complex, mm-hmm. doing a little doing a little uh, hoops talk in the middle of the in the middle of the hockey season. But the hockey season's done. The basketball season is kind of it's still a ways away. But there's a reason I brought you here. Is so that, you know, things have solidified a little bit. We have a little bit more to talk about now. Because back then, everything was kind of in the ether, a lot of moving mm-hmm. pieces. We were trying to figure out who was going to leave, who they might target on return. Well, now it's mid-June. We know who Washington's got. I can list them here if you if you guys want. I, we can, But, I mean, it's kind of been done to death already on the boards. We can talk about them. We'll, and we will talk about them, obviously, individually. But just overall, I'm kind of wondering how you feel about this new era of basketball where we are really just going portal to portal season, portal to season, portal season, portal. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they replaced seven guys with seven new guys. And we thought last year was like the huge overhaul when they had to bring in guys like Terrell Brown and Dejon Davis and P.J. Fuller and Emmett Matthews and all these guys and, and supplement them with some of these other pieces like a Langston Wilson or, a, um, you know, or a, um, you know, just some of these other guys, you know, younger guys, some of the freshmen. Now it just feels like if you're, not, if you're not doing a slam dunk in the portal every season now, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is we saw this kind of coming down the pike with a guy like Dana Altman at Oregon who used to do it year after year after year. And we would kind of, at least I would, I, I'll put my own hand up here and I'd kind of snicker and go, well, what, how can you create any continuity? How can you create any sort of, you know, real team thing going on when you're literally having to revamp half your team every single year? But yet he, he clearly has made it work. He made it work in, he's made it work in a big way. And now I get the sense that Mike Hopkins or, or the rest of the Pac-12 coaches and maybe the rest of the Power 5 guys are going to have to do the exact same thing. Are you kind of sensing this is, the, this, is, this is the world in which we live in and it's not kind of a fly-by-night thing anymore? Well, so I would say this. Um, I think for the, the rich are definitely going to keep getting richer because you don't see um, at a lot of the upper echelon programs, you know, your blue bloods, your top programs, this isn't a thing right? They're losing their, you know, their top guys are going to the draft, you know, and their eight, nine guys are looking for better opportunities out there, right? But generally speaking, you're not seeing a lot of turnover amongst, you know, this is something that's affecting the, I would say the lesser programs across college basketball, not just high major, but mid-major. Um, and I, to, to Washington's credit, I think so far, um, they're navigating it pretty well uh, because let's face it, the roster has been in fairly dire straits, after the last, you know, what, four seasons now, um, where we're rebuilding through this process. And uh, I, I think Washington has enough appeal that, uh, you know, and the ability to showcase great athletes who maybe have been, um, you know, have, have not really demonstrated their full capabilities, like Quade, like Terrell, and now hopefully like uh, Brooks. You know, so I think Washington is doing a real a good good job of this of navigating this environment that said it's a tough way to build and at some point you need that continuity you need you need to build internally you need the the three and four star guys that are really kind of the lifeblood of the washington program to develop into quality contributors and then you complement 
with the portal and the or and you know your marquee guys, your five star McDonald's All American types, right? So I think that's in the ideal situation. That's how you're building your roster. Um, Washington is right now in this cycle of rebuilding every single season, though, like the entire roster. And maybe it's sustainable given the appeal that Washington has, but man, that's a tough way to live. Um, you know, I, 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 I gotta believe that there's, there's a better way to do it. Yeah. And it's not just going to the portal to just pick up a guy here and there, like you're saying, they're having to revamp, but now you're starting to have to be super selective, even within the portal, because you've got to blend in these grad guys like a Terrell Brown or a Dejon Davis with a PJ Fuller right. or a Cole Bajima, guys that have two, three years of eligibility that you can maybe have some sustainability and build a little bit around, especially in a program like what Mike Hopkins is developing, because what is he known for? The zone. The zone. That's not something that people play every day. And that's it's something, a big problem. It is a big problem. It's when, when you have to hang your hat on something that is so defined by what you do and it takes time to build that, mm -hmm. That's where he runs into issues. And right. it's unfortunate because you, you, you'd love to have him have that time to be able to do mm -hmm. it, but you just, you're not given that time anymore. Right. We, we just live in a day and age now where it's instant results or you're probably going to have to go pack. And he's, he's pretty lucky now because he's on his second chance already. Right. And, again, I agree with you in the sense that I think he's gone through the revamp process pretty well. And the last class showed it. I think this next class that we're going to be talking about has built on it even more. I think there's more to even love about them mm -hmm. when you th start thinking about them in terms of, in terms of the zone with the length mm -hmm. and some of the things that they can bring athletically right. to the to the game. Um, but here's my concern, Chris, um, with all this is because, and it's exactly what you just said, it takes a while to learn this system more so than other systems, right? That's just. And so the question is, and the question that the program has to ask itself is, are we going to have to, in the process, if they're going to rebuild this way every season, um, and they've proven that they can bring in the talent, at least, to do that, but if they're going to do that, can they refine, can they speed up or accelerate the learning process with the zone so that they're not, you know, out of relevance by the end of December? And to me, that's my biggest concern with the whole thing and whether or not they can ever overcome that. Because, you know, if as long as you're losing to, you know, mid-major cream puffs in November and December, you have no shot at being relevant in March. Yeah, and we were t and and when you mentioned that idea of how it really affects the lesser known teams or the lower teams, you know, we're looking at a Utah Valley State guy like Fardos, amen, mm -hmm. who goes to Texas Tech. And Washington was in on him huge. And now all of a sudden Washington looks like they may not compete because they're not getting the guys that they need to mm -hmm. in order to reload in the way that we've seen with these Dana Altman Oregon teams over the years. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's it's interesting on that sense. But what, you know, we talked about this in the long term with the zone, how they need to have guys that can build and what have you. The irony of trying to rebuild this class was that what was their biggest component last year? It was Terrell Brown right. and scoring. Well, that's gone now. So now, but it's not just him. Now all of a sudden you've lost Emmett Matthews and his 11, 12 points a game. You, you're losing a guy like Dejon Davis who brings a lot to the table now because of his injury and whatnot. Some of that's mitigated. You can't really factor in maybe Dejon as much as you would have expected mm -hmm. to. 
But now all of a sudden you're going into a season where you've lost pretty much like 70% of your scoring. Yep. And so, yes, we have concerns about the long-term things with the zone, developing that, making sure that you can reload with that in mind. But right now, the irony is they needed to find scoring in a hurry. And I think they just did that this last week when they got the signature of Keon Brooks. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if you want to start talking about this now, um, Keon is kind of a unique player. And and when you look at, at least when I visualize what I think Washington's roster should look like under Hopkins, you know, if we're talking about Syracuse West, basically, which is more or less how I see it, um, you look at, and I always compare it to like what we're accustomed to seeing from USC, right? Washington finally has that roster that more resembles a USC that we're accustomed to seeing with a, 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 a athletic rim defender, um, a big-time rim runner in, in Brooks, um, which addresses their biggest hole, right? Which, I mean, the four spot was going to be a nightmare to fill this year without a guy like Brooks. They didn't have a guy on the roster who was going to be ready to do that. Um, and now the question is, do you get enough – um, a, enough scoring punch out of your guards. Can you survive with a middle of the Pac-12 um, backcourt, or is there something more there? You know, given that you've definitely enhanced your front court, because I gotta believe that. I mean, both Brooks and I think what I see in Frank Kepnang are significant upgrades over who the, the guys they replaced. Now, just to make sure that the people understand, when we're talking about you know looking a little bit more like a USC, and you mentioned a guy named Brooks. We're talking about Keon Brooks. We're not talking about Jerron Brooks. Correct. But at the same time, yes, you bring in another guy like Kepnang, Braxton Mia with his length at seven foot plus, all those things. Those are things that are attractive and appealing when looking at the zone. Right. When we were talking before we turned on the tape, the one guy that you mentioned happened to be a USC guy Mm -hmm. in DeMar DeMarosen. So when you look at a guy like DeRozan, you compare him to Brooks. What are you seeing? Well, so I see a guy that's um, maybe a little bit raw on the perimeter for the role that he wants to play. Um, and there's more of a straight ahead, um, more of an op- opportunistic scorer than a deliberate um, focus. At least that's what I see on the tape from, from Kentucky, yeah. right? Um, what, you know, a few of the challenges I see is that he likes to set up two feet inside the three-point line which is just weird to me because it's just such an ineffe- uh, inefficient shot in the modern era of college basketball or just basketball, period. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something he's going to have to address. But DeMar was a, a fairly mediocre three-point shooter who became a better shooter over time, you know, once he got to the league. Um, but they're pretty similar, you know, size-wise. DeMar's an incredible athlete, so probably he has an edge there and why he's more of a, you know, he was an NBA first-round pick versus Keon, who's kind of a borderline is because of that level of athleticism. But otherwise, they're very similar. Um, you know, I love watching the way what I saw from um, from Brooks getting up and down the floor, and both him and Kepnang, actually. Right. And I think that's probably Kepnang's biggest strength is the fact that he's so mobile, right? You watch his feet, and this guy's got quick feet for a, for a footer. Right. Um, so I see that in both of them is that their ability to go end-to-end um, is dramatically improved over – the guys they replaced. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons, the main reasons they got his signature over the likes of maybe teams like Arizona, Notre Dame, some of these other teams that were looking heavily at him was because I think they're going to feature him like they featured mm-hmm. Terrell Brown. Yeah. 
And so what's interesting is we're we're trying to compare the offensive games of a guy who's six feet to a guy who's now six seven, six eight. The irony there is they're actually very similar. Yeah. They're actually really similar. Yep. They want to score the majority of their points inside the paint. Yep. They could shoot the three if they need to, but they would rather not. And I think that's what mm-hmm. probably drives Calipari nuts and probably will drive Hop nuts is that he would rather step inside the line and shoot the the J from 20 feet yep. instead of Take step back a couple feet and get that extra point. It. Yep. Um, but he but he drives. He's got he's got a great post up game. Which to be honest, I think that was something in Terrell's offensive game that was maybe a little un- overlooked. Mm-hmm. I think he he had a strong post game when he wanted to go there, and he they're just sneaky around the rim, strong, sneaky around the rim, yep. and he's a better foul shooter than foul shooter than Terrell Brown. Which again he should be getting to the line mm-hmm. quite a bit as a featured performer. Yep. Um, I, so that's why I wanted to look as much as at his La Lumiere tape as his Kentucky tape. Because mm-hmm. the Kentucky tape, yeah, he had some outstanding games. Like last year, I think he went for – he led the team in scoring against Kansas. Yeah, 32, at, I think, I think at Kansas. Kansas. I, I don't know if it was in the 30s, but it was it was really good. It was strong. He led the team, yeah. and he looked the part of a, of a guy who was clearly a starter. And that's the strange part. I mean, here, not just talking about an SEC starter, 33 games last year, but Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And yet he still feels the need like he needs to go out and get featured. That well, is really I'm sure because he wasn't being able to, and we talked about this at breakfast, was the fact that he, you know, in Kentucky, in Kentucky you're, you're, you're pigeonholed. you got to play your role. Right. Right? And at Washington, you can come to Washington, and there's a lot more, there's a lot more latitude, a lot more room to do what makes you special or what at least you feel like makes you special. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, I mean, I, what else is there? That's, I guess what we're, cause a guy who comes in and averages, you know, 11, 12 points a game, isn't really going to impact things and take Washington to the next level. But a guy, if, if he comes in, if Brooks comes in and averages, you know, if he's a 15 to 20 a game, which is the kind of leap that, you know, Terrell took, yeah. that quad a took, yeah. um, you know, there's, it's kind of a sky's the limit thing now that you've got so much more around him. Right. The other thing I would say, too, is that the difference between a guy like Terrell is that Terrell did it at Seattle. Mm-hmm. So there was – he mm-hmm. knew he could fall back on that experience. Now, mm-hmm. granted, it was at Seattle. It wasn't at UW. It wasn't at Arizona. He was a role player at Arizona. But, you know, just because Keon Brooks, his experience on offense is kind of being the guy, mm-hmm. was back at La Lumiere when he was with Isaiah Stewart and some of these other guys, can he fall back on that – even though he's been at Kentucky now for three years. Oh, sure he can. And really has a very, at least his muscle, his current muscle memory is that of a guy who's really been more of a role player. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm I'm fairly confident. I mean, think of the guys that he's sharing the ball with down there, right? It's nothing yeah. but, you know, first-rounders up and down the roster. So sure. for him to even average 10 points a game on that kind of a roster just is, is really speaks to his capabilities more so than the lack thereof. Right. Right. So... Um, you know, I think realistically, you're talking to probably about a 16, 17 point a game guy, maybe more. I mean, Terrell yeah. exceeded every expectation, and the expectations were high, anyways. So Washington certainly gives you the platform to do it. Right. Um, you know, it's and we talked about this that uh, it's really going to come down to Noah Williams' ability to how's he going to run the run this team? Right? Is he going to be an efficient? Is he? He's Washington's second best scorer. 
uh, you know, is he going to find the right balance between having to get his shots and distributing the ball, right? Right. And if you look at what he did his sophomore season at, at uh, Wazoo, sure, it looks like that's there versus what seemingly um, last season it looked like at Wazoo, which was a lot of forced shots and kind of playing beyond himself. Right. Um, and there were obviously some things going on in his life that I just sure. don't think he was anywhere near as settled last year as he was the year before. Yep. Yep. Um, so, you know, that, but that's a big part of that. And probably as big as Brooks is Noah, the way Noah integrates into the team is every bit as important and, and more so. Okay. Let's, let's good segue. Let's jump into that. We're, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we get back talking to beach head of hoops, we're going to talk more about the guys that are coming in now with Keon Brooks, as well as his, what we think, at least I'm going to give beach. I'm going to ask for your starting five and kind of see how you think it integrates compared to maybe where they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. So we're back with the head of hoops here in just a second. This is Chris Fetters, the dogman.com. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com here with Aaron Beach, the head of hoops. What? Talking all things hoops, obviously. All things basketball, Washington basketball. Last time I talked to Beach, nothing was really settled. There was a lot of you know uncertainty going into the, the period of where they were going to try to find Washington. was going to try to find some guys to fill some gaps. You're sugarcoating it. Yeah. It well, was yeah. downright scary. It was a little scary there for a second. <laughs> But we just got we just got done talking about Keon Brooks, Washington's latest signee from Kentucky, Kentucky transfer, uh, talking about the things that we anticipate are going to be a big part of his game coming to Montlake, what he can contribute to this team. But when right before the break, we talked about Noah Williams coming from Washington State. You know, he's a Seattle kid, O'Day kid. A lot of people thought he was going to go to Washington first before he ended up at Washington State. I think they're. I think the coaches are betting huge on Noah Williams to really come through this season, and you can see why because they've lost their backcourt, they lost Ajon Davis, they've lost Terrell Brown, and they really haven't replaced it in this season with anyone other than Noah Williams that can that can give the Huskies what they had last year in Davis and Brown. Well, boy, that's a stretch. I mean, I mean, he's lit, but they're he, literally going to ask him to probably do two different roles. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you had your best score. You got you had your shooting guard. Your six four shooting guard is by far your best player, scoring twenty points a game and running point. Yep. Right. So it was a mismatch, anyways. Um, and and as much as I love Dejon Davis, um, particularly defensively, he he didn't bring much offensively. He really struggled, and that was injury related and myriad of other things. But. Um, so in that in those terms, Noah's an upgrade, you know, in terms of point guard capabilities and in terms of scoring, um, that's an upgrade from that position, right? But that doesn't mean that Washington's backcourt's going to be better because it really is going to come down to you know how effective PJ Fuller is at the two guard spot, right? And I, I'm a big fan, so I, I think there's a lot there, and he definitely fits the demeanor, um, you know, the, what's going to be a very up and down team extremely athletic and long 
um, and attacking the basket constantly, I, there's going to be a lot of that. And so I, I feel like Fuller's probably going to thrive in that environment. I think, again, it's going to come down to Washington's going to be a better shooting team this year. So they're going to spread the floor better than they did previously, which is hopefully going to give Brooks more room to operate and Noah as well. Um, but if they get the, um, the undisciplined Noah, all bets are off. You know, because then... I, so cause this really year's Noah compared to last year's Noah. Yeah, I, I mean, um, last year's Noah was pretty rough. And I don't... In that environment, if he plays like that, Washington's probably going to be pretty bad. Right? Because there's no one else to go to. I mean, I already questioned who... And you had the same question. Who backs up Noah? Yeah. Is it... We hear a lot about Bajima. Yeah. You know, with point guard capabilities. I don't know if I am on board with that yet. I guess proof is in the pudding. We'll see. Um, you've got a couple of... Uh, you know, decent uh, freshman point guards coming in in Minifield and Corn Johnson. Um, but the, I highly doubt those either of those guys is ready to contribute this season. So your backcourt depth is probably a concern. Yeah, ideally, you wouldn't want to have to put that kind of load on them. No, no, not for a team that has, you know, that feels like, you know, you're probably a, at, le at the very least an, an NIT team. That's yeah. what your goal is, if not, you know, making the tournament. Um, so, and neither of those guys, neither Minifield or Corn Johnson are like obvious impact players right out of the gate. Right. Right. So, um, well, let's take a macro look at it for a second though, Beach. Let's say, cause, cause really on paper, it looks like Hopkins is replacing Dejon Davis and Terrell Brown with PJ Fuller and Noah Williams. Mm -hmm. That's your back, your backcourt to backcourt. Mm -hmm. It looks on paper again. Like they take a bit of a drop offensively. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't mean Williams and, and and Fuller can't have explosive outings. They can have those, but the the consistency is not is maybe, not maybe not shown. the consistency. But Dejon was right. Well, and again, Dejon was not necessarily brought in to be. He was brought in to be a complementary scorer. He was brought in to be a, a defensive. Well, I stopper. feel like they probably had higher expectations. Oh, I guarantee you. I guarantee you that's the case. Yeah. There's no doubt, no doubt in my mind, and I'm sure he had higher expectations yeah. for himself. But getting hurt, that we know how that can yep. how that can affect anybody. Yep. But it sure looks like now you go from six foot six three, six four maybe, mm -hmm. to now you've got a pair of six four, six five guys mm -hmm. on yeah. the perimeter. Yep. Now you know we're not necessarily talking Thibault-esque, but we are talking about guys with more with more length, more you know long levers to deflect passes, to get in passing lanes. To show the energy, we know Fuller can show the energy. He's shown it in the past, and we know Noah Williams is tough. Right. We know one of the th reasons why the Washington coaches are betting big on Noah Williams is because they know that he's got that toughness. He's got that edge. Right. And like you said, he's got to figure out where the edge of the edge is. <laughs> where is where? How far can he go with that edge? where he's still being super productive and he's using it to his advantage as opposed to now all of a sudden it's turned against him and now it's become a, it's become a negative part of his play. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um, so when you look at the roster now and you look at that backcourt, I wouldn't say this is a deeper team because it's not. I think the quality of depth is better, though. So well, we were talking again. We were talking off, off, off tape. You know, you look at the bottom of the of the lineup, and you're looking at those guards. You're looking at Keon Menafield. You're looking at Corn Johnson. They're replacing a guy like a Dom Penn. Mm -hmm. 
that to me screams pure upgrade. Total. And it's not a knock on Don Penn. He, no. he never had any opportunities. Right. He just never did. Yep. And it, and and ideally, you would never want to give the two true freshmen those kinds of opportunities either. You want them to grow in the program and evolve and whatnot. But again, we're we're in the portal business. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those guys don't feel loved, and they feel like they're not getting the opportunities, and they may move on after right. a year. You just never ever know, right? Because you're still dealing with kids at the end of the day at that stage. They haven't evolved. They haven't really. They haven't really gotten the full experience. They haven't maybe settled into college life. There's all sorts of factors that yep. go into that. But again, you're right. I think when you talk about overall roster depth, the irony is: yes, we're in the portal thing where you just switched out seven guys for seven guys. Mm-hmm. But yet, it does feel like this team is slowly building. Even if the lineup is actually probably what's it go seven deep. Yeah. Like realistically, yeah. like we can right now, we can count on, um, you know, probably Bajima and Langston coming off the bench, right? right. And that's your that's your depth. Yeah. So you've got a seven. What Washington needs is a is a grant as a Jackson Grant or one of the freshman point guards. Yeah. Now Sam Ariebe, um, we know he was hurt. So wh- how how quickly does he come back from that, and how quickly can he kind of reassemble and and get his game? Yeah, but are on they? Tracks? Who knows? I mean, he's a wing, right? Yeah. So I mean, where are the minutes on the wing? The wing, I think, to me, is the only area where I think your minutes are pretty much settled, right at that three spot. Well, 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 well let's not jump ahead because okay. I will ask for ahead. your fun, your your top your your starting five here in just a second. But are we are we kind of done talking about backcourt at this point? Do we kind of sure because feel you only really settled? you got you got three guys. Well, so. right, I hear you, I hear you, but no, yeah, I don't think you're feeling settled. But at least you know what you got, right? But moving to the front court, you lose uh, Nate Roberts, which I think that's not mixed, necessarily an addition by subtraction. No, but. no, no. There's a lot of mixed emotions there because yeah. I think. Especially when you look at what he was doing at the end of the year, mm, Beach. Those last he weeks. was looking good. He I mean, was. he really was coming. All of a sudden, we were like, "Hey, is he yeah, coming but back?" But I think that's why a lot of fans were like, that he, "Why would he leave now when everything is trending yeah. in such a great way for him? He settled in, everything's good. But now he's a grad. You know, he just graduated this last weekend. Um, mm. Everything's good for him on that score. So now he can go to a place." And just play the one season and, and and hope for the best, and maybe that can get him where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone certainly begrudges him that. He no. was a great servant for Washington when he played for them. Yep. But it, it is unfortunate because he really did feel like things were moving in the direction they finally needed to get to, mm-hmm. and then he and then he leaves. So it's it's unfortunate in that sense. But they've picked up a couple of big men, yeah. In Frank Kepnang from Oregon, Braxton Mia from Fresno State. Braxton Mia to me feels more like a Langston Wilson type, mm-hmm. maybe even a little taller. Um, brings that rim protector vibe about him, but yet a, a real raw gem in terms of the offensive game. And then Kepnang, I think we saw bits and pieces of what he was able to do in Pac-12 play last season. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about him. Yeah. So to me, um, you're more exciting. Regardless, I feel like they've upgraded in the front court. Significantly. Well, really. here's the thing, though. If we want to, if we really want to look in that right now, they okay. They lost um, Nate Roberts, but they also lost Emmett Matthews. Yeah. Well, and you replace them with two two essential seven six eleven seven footers. Mm-hmm. Do you really think that's it? I can see it. Being I don't really upgrade. consider the swap for Emmett and May 
I guess. Yeah. That's not a that's a that's not a one for one swap. That's I'm I'm you're swapping Brooks. For, yeah, but we're talking backline players. Like we're talking in the zone. We're talking. Yeah, but, we're talking back. We're talking, it wasn't a back. He just did it because he had to, not because that's what the role or that's not what he was. No, no, no. I know he played out in the corner normally, right? In the zone, but you know he was he also wasn't very, a post. So but I he was also very valuable. He was way. also very valuable when they did decide to go small, right? Which Hopkins used a lot because that, that was, was their necessity. most effective offense. Yep. Now that's one other thing we can talk about. Do you think now because of this added size? And having more than one guy who's played a little bit, do they have to or do they get to scrap that smaller lineup altogether now? Yeah, totally. I mean, well, or if you go smaller, smaller is bigger. Do you go Wilson as your? Yeah, as your, exactly. As your That's five what I'm saying. Now. now you've got a you know even when you're going smaller, you're going to average what six eight. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's it's a different small. So okay. they no longer have to go small. I guess is really the case, especially in the Pac-12. Right. Right. So, so, no, I, I think they're hear, better. Yeah, I, 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 but I still want to hear you explain why you think they're better off right now. Uh, well, I think Brooks and Kepnang are superior to Emmett and Nate. Okay. That's why. I okay. mean, I'll take both of the guys that are replacing over the two formers. Okay, that it's and that one's frankly an easy one. Okay. Um, I mean, there was there was a few stretches last season where Nate was non-existent offensively mm-hmm. right and he was an okay shot blocker but he didn't have great timing he was a very he he was not an instinctive rebounder right he was not a natural rebounder and washington was one of the worst rebounding teams in the country because of it now you've got guys coming in who have a track record at least somewhat of rebounding i mean brooks what average seven almost seven a game his sophomore season mm-hmm. you know so Washington's going to be improved in that regard. I don't think, obviously, you're not going to take a step back scoring-wise because that's almost impossible. So, yeah, that's an upgrade. Okay. Right? And then Riley, no offense to Riley. Riley's great, but he was, what, your backup center after Langston. Sorn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think uh, May yeah, is, May, is yeah. definitely a um, an upgrade over Riley. Okay. So, overall, and then hopefully you get Jackson Grant back from – you know, who's hopefully recovered yeah. from the COVID. Uh, and to me, that's a significant upgrade in the front court over last year. Okay. Have we seen enough of Kepnang for you to really feel confident that he can literally pick up and be yeah. what Nate Roberts was at the end of the season? Because I'll tell you what, I agree with the, I agree with the rebounding thoughts that you had, but I will add that by the end of the year, he was everything they needed as a rebounder. He, he, was, he, was, he was all that and more. He was kind of a double-double guy at he the end a, of the season. Exactly. So am I thinking that Frank's a double-double guy? Well, that's what I'm saying. Can can When you say that they're <laughs> that they're immediately better, are are they immediately better than where Kepang, they were the last Roberts? three weeks of the season? Is 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 the end of season Nate Roberts the same as what we're going to see from Frank Kepnang? I think Frank Kepnang right out of the gate will be a better defender. Okay. Better shot blocker, better defender, period. Okay. He's more mobile. He's more athletic. Um, Nate got up in the down the floor pretty well. But if you go and watch the tape on Frank, right. half half of his high scoring highlights are coming from him sprinting down the court right. in transition with a flush or doing a lot of um, 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 elbow hooks yeah. for um, you know for alley-oops. But Washington, fans, but Washington fans are going to want to know, Beach. Does he have a post game? When's the last time Washington had a, had a guy? Uh, Isaiah Stewart obviously is the last guy they had to post game. Right. But before that, 
I mean, we could go years. He looked pretty good with it. I mean, there's not a lot of, not a lot to, I, I went back to his prep, yeah. his work as a prep. Um, he's got a really nice right hand. He goes over his right shoulder or over his left shoulder, I guess, pretty well. Um, doesn't have a lot of counter moves or anything, but his hands are, <laughs> his hands just in my brief knowledge of him sure. are vastly superior to Nate's. And that's the one thing you can say about Nate Roberts is his hands definitely got better as his season and his career went on. Yeah. But as we were talking about before the tape rolled, that was damning with the last because his yeah, the hands, last three percent of his college career, right? Yeah, he was improved. His hands when he first came to to Montlink were yeah. brutal. Yeah, worse um, than Aussies. He and he did. He worked on it hard. I give him full marks, full credit. Yep. for getting a lot better in that score. But yeah, that's something where a guy like Kepnan can come in and be a vast improvement mm -hmm. right off the jump. Yep, just being, just showing more athleticism. Yep. Just showing like he's got more of a presence in there, mm -hmm. instead of someone who's fighting tooth and nail to show that he belongs in there. Yep. Because offensively, even though Nate got so much better at the end of last year, it still seemed like it was such a struggle for him to get the points that he needed to get because he should have been so much more physically dominant than a lot of the guys he went yeah. up against. Well, again, he played well when it no longer mattered, mm -hmm. right? And so. And again, that's the risk, right? When you right. rebuilt this way, is hopefully Frank picks it up faster than Nate did. Yeah. I guess is all I'm saying. And now the kid from Fresno, Braxton, man, uh, which I don't really know enough about. But I mean, when you but when you saw his numbers, when you saw his his um, his measurables and those types of things coming from that type of a league in the Mountain mm -hmm. West, what was your immediate thought? Did you? Did you look at go, okay, he's just he's simply squad depth at this point. He's a guy that they can build on for the future because he is a young kid. I would say that I my immediate thought was this is great competition for Langston and Jackson Grant. Okay. That was to me, yeah, those guys are the pot and or, my thought is or insurance policy. Or insurance, whatever. However you want to look at it. Now you got three where you had two. Yeah, but there's a dip but there's a difference there because the, the if it's insurance policy that could imply that they're not sold that those guys are going to give like them that. what they need oh well, worth those two yeah 100 percent. yeah and and truthfully i i kind of don't think they do okay. not yet um i didn't see enough out of langston to to feel like he's anything more than an energy guy okay you know and the energy guy that gets you know four points and or rebounds type of guy. Okay. I don't know if there's much beyond that. Jackson Grant, we don't know. There's definitely right. a nice. He's got a nice, you know, toolbox. But you know, COVID's a bitch. But he's also clearly an outside-in player. Yes. I mean, yeah. he he is going to be a guy, which that, is okay that, at the four. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what you want. And you don't. And and the thing is, is if he can hit threes, you don't mind if a guy like that camps right. out because he can draw out the other guys' bigs. Yep. He can create some things, and he can create some lanes for guys like Brooks and some of these other guys, Noah and whoever, to to drive and and make stuff happen. Mm -hmm. So there's opportunities there um, to to make things happen. Lastly, we're going to finish the podcast up with the the thought that we were talking about right before the break. You know, we talked about PJ Fuller, Noah Williams, kind of being your backcourt right now. That's pretty set. Um, it sure feels like a guy like Cole Bashma is going to be their sixth guy. Mm -hmm. Guy coming off the bench could run the show a little bit if he needs to. But you know, we're thinking 
eight, ten minutes a game, tops. Yeah. Depending on foul trouble, depending on other things like that. Yeah, tops. Because yeah. honestly, I feel like you're Noah's probably a 34 minute guy. But and again, four, that's going to be really interesting going forward, Beach, because I don't think Noah Williams, even though he, he started and, and, you know, not as much last year, obviously, the year before he started quite a bit. But last year, I don't think he averaged more than maybe 24, 25 minutes uh-huh. a game. Same with Keon Brooks, to be honest. Yeah. He started 33 games for Kentucky last year, but he only averaged like 25 minutes. Kevin Hank played 14 minutes a game. Yeah. No, these these guys are going to ask – they're going to be asked to be stretched. Mm-hmm. And so when they come in and they're like, we want to be guys, we want to play a lot, things like that, yep. they'll be like, we got time for you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's going to be time to be had. So when you look at Noah Williams, you look at P.J. Fuller in the backcourt, who are the three guys that you think will, in your opinion – round out the starting five for Washington's first game? Uh, so it's got to be um, Noah, PJ, Bay, uh, Keon, and Kepning. Okay, so I think that's pretty clear. That's going to be your, that starting five, and yeah. it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I don't – I mean, unless, you know, maybe Bajima I, – I, I don't see a, a scenario where Bajima outplays Bay for the spot. You know? Okay. He's been in the system for nine years now, so it's <laughs> – <laughs> Just kidding. We're yeah. talking about Bay now. We're not yes. talking about Badgerman. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but I think the gauntlet's really been thrown down to Jamal, to Jamal Bay. Totally. I've, I've gotten I've gotten the sense that I hope when you there were hope. talks when there were talks this off season about whether or not he's going to come back, that you know the talks towards Bay were a lot more like we've got to see a lot more from you this next year than it was for a guy like Nate, Nate Roberts. They can say that, but you know what. What are their alternatives? Well, they could have gone to the portal and find someone else. No, 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 but I mean this season, like, if he doesn't take a step, it's not like there's someone else on the roster that's going to take his minutes. Well, maybe there is. Maybe there's someone that's... We just mentioned Cole Badgerman. Yeah, but he's going to get his time anyway. He's still going to get his 25 to 30 just because he's backing up the one and the two and probably the three. Right. So he's going to get starter minutes even though he's coming off the bench. Right. And I think that's kind of a hallmark of Hop, right. anyways, because he wants to run a short bench. I'm saying there's he, no he one. He probably won't. yeah, but he wants eight. He yeah. doesn't want seven. No, I, I get it, but he's but he is still a coach that if they only did go seven, he wouldn't have a problem with that. Right, totally. He would he would go seven as opposed to nine. Agreed. He you yep. know eight is his sweet spot, yes. no doubt about it. That's what he that's where he wants to live. Yep. But he would go seven before he'd go nine. Right. Uh, and especially with this lineup. Well, especially because he's we're Washington's in the win now mode. He's Hopkins now fighting for his job, so he's going to do every. This is about winning. Right. This is not about development per se this year, and that's why I think the freshman guards are probably going to have a harder time seeing the floor mm-hmm. because this is about winning right now and restoring, you know, Washington to it, Washington to its proper place within the Pac-12. So now, don't laugh at me because I've, I, but I've got to throw these questions out because. We're here. People want to know, especially when a, a heralded kid like a Langston Wilson comes in. Is there any way Langston Wilson starts at the five over Kepnang? No. Does he? No. Does he make? Does he crack your starting lineup? Is he? Does he? Does there? Is there anything about Langston Wilson that makes you think he's a rim defender? I don't know, but is there anything that tells no. me that maybe Langston Wilson starts maybe in place of Bay, and maybe Bay becomes the sixth guy? 
I didn't see anything that tells me. I mean, he is there jump. anything in Langston's game? He can game? jump really high. Right, but is there anything in his game that maybe tells you he's an instant energy guy? Yeah. He's a guy that could help them get off to a good he's start. He's an energy guy, for sure. That's yeah. what he is. Yeah. I don't feel like he's going to bring anything to the table that, you know, other teams can't match. Okay. Right? Which is really what you'd be looking for if you're going to, you know, start him over. So right now, in your mind, you're not expecting a big jump from year one to year two for him. Um, I think he'll be improved. I think, you know, what he averaged probably two or three a game and a couple. Yeah, of well, yeah. And again, so he maybe he doubles spotty. that. Yeah. Maybe he doubles his contributions. Okay, I think is realistic. And frankly, you could say that about pretty much the entire roster. You know, doubling their contributions, right? You know, is probably a best case scenario. And but you need that for Washington to be at its app. You know, where if it's going to compete consistently, right? So I want to give the floor to you to finish this off. Final thoughts because we were talking, and you seemed pretty upbeat, a heck of a lot more upbeat than you were <laughs> at this time last year. Yes, and I want you to explain why. Well, I think as we talked about at the opening, this team is finally at the point where it resembles what a what I envision as a Hopkins, um, Syracuse West type of um, roster, right? So, to me, I'm I'm just excited to see. All right, I think they finally have the guys in place where he can run the system the way he wants. I want to know what that looks like. Uh, I think the backcourt's probably middle of the pack, if not worse. And I think that's going to be hard to overcome. So they definitely need a big step from – it's not – no one needs to run the run the floor well, but your jump needs to come from PJ and probably Bajima, right? That's where your your real roster potential, your upside comes from in the backcourt. Um, so – but, again, I like both those guys. I just – I like more of the – I like the pieces this time around. Where last time it was like, well, they can't shoot – Terrell's probably going to be pretty good. They're going to be really small, you know. So there was, there was that. This time around, it looks like a real high major Pac-12 roster for a change. And so for that reason, and just sitting there watching tape of Kepnang running up and down the floor and blocking shots like Rob Upshaw, right? Because that's what he does, and um, we remember how that impacted things uh, when Rob was around for the month and a half or so he was around. Um, I see that in, in Kepnang, and hopefully, but with a player who, you know, can stick around a while. That's great stuff, Beach. I really appreciate you doing this, catching up as always. We obviously had plenty to talk about. One thing I will add with this roster construction, other than the length and looking more zone ready than mm-hmm. they were last year, I think there's going to be a toughness factor mm-hmm. that is going to be on top of the traditional scrappiness mm-hmm. that you would see from a Mike Hopkins lineup. Last year's lineup was scrappy. They, yeah, they, they were, had to they be. were fighters. Had to be scrappy fighters because they were yeah. out physical. And, and this year's lineup, I think, is going to be all that. But I think there is an edge to these guys. Yep. Whether you talk about Noah Williams, you talk about Frank Kepnang, yep. there are there is a little bit of an edge to these guys that I don't think they necessarily had last year that, in my opinion, should serve them well. Mm-hmm. If they're able to produce that edge in the way that that helps them you know because mm-hmm. that kind of thing can go both ways we talked a little bit about it it can go both ways so if they can they utilize that edge in the right way and you know whether it leads to to the kind of proper motivation you need or just you know gives them a just a slight uptick in something that helps them on the floor 
I think that can only that can only improve the team mm-hmm. going forward. But I, I echo all the thoughts. I think the roster construction is a little bit better this year than it was last year. I think Hopkins learned his lessons in yeah. terms of having to like try to figure out hybrid stuff because he, he didn't have the guys he needed. And so I think that that bodes well going into not just this summer, but going into the fall as well. So, Beach, I really appreciate it. Everyone out there, if you want our daily updates, and I know it's still a little slow this time of year, but there's a lot of recruiting going on, a lot of official visits, a lot of stuff going on. You want to get on our mailing list, email us at huskystadium at gmail.com. That's, again, that's huskystadium, one word, at gmail.com, and the subject line, newsletter. Just put that in. Send it to us. We'll add you to our, our newsletter list. You'll get daily updates, at least one or two digests every single day in your email, letting you know the latest and what's going on with Washington football, basketball, and recruiting. So for Aaron Beach, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.